Yeah, I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, regardless if you're a millennial or you're not, you know, refusing advice and thinking you know everything is the first mistake you're going to make. Um, it was me. It was me in my first business. I thought I knew everything in every angle. Um, I, I thought I read every book, and a book doesn't teach you to be an entrepreneur. It just doesn't. Um, I think the other mistakes is you got to be patient. Um, building a business is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Welcome to the BS in Life podcast, where we talk about life beyond your degree. If you're new here, welcome. Please comment, like, and subscribe. We'd love to see you again here next week. Um, today on the podcast, we have Coach Stephen Burnett, President and Co-Founder of DFND Technologies. Um, he talks about entrepreneurship, career building, um, and some struggles that he, he faced coming up as a young entrepreneur, and some mistakes that he sees millennials and honestly everybody making today regarding uh, entrepreneurship. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. When basically like me and her had been talking about this for a couple months, we just been talking about stuff we didn't learn in college and talking about, Oh, it'd be cool if we did a podcast and just talking about it. And then when like COVID hit, we were both just doing nothing for a couple of weeks and we we're like, well, we got all this time. Why don't we just start it? We're like, okay. And so we started it. We do it. So once we record, record on Sundays for about an hour, we post it on Thursdays and we just do that every week. We've been doing that every week since, I think like late March. Nice. Yeah. So the first, the first couple were rough. We had a couple good guests, which are still our most popular episodes. But I think since then we've gotten better at like talking on the mic because sure. we're both like, this is a little weird. Like, I don't, <laughs> but we've gotten a little better. And so now we're starting to get like into a rhythm. We're good. Yeah. So, so, so far it's been pretty good. I mean, this is the first one with, without Ali. So I don't know how I'll do. But <laughs> like usually they're pretty, they're pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, to start off, usually before when we have a guest on, I kind of do some digging and I like find, create this bio and do this nice little intro and, you know, roll off different kind of stuff. But like when I was looking for you, I couldn't find anything. Usually I can like, people have stuff on their social media, like Instagram, Facebook, and like you can figure out all, and people want to share their accomplishments. Yeah. And so like, I'll go find everything and it's easy to post them all up and looking for you, I literally could find nothing. Like even on your company page, there's nothing, your name isn't on there once. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, this was, this was like, or not. So can you please just like a little background information on who you are and what you do for a living and um, a little bit about how you got to where you are now? Sure. So, you know, Steve Burnett, um, I went to Cal State Fullerton. Um, and at the time they had a sports management program that lasted a couple of years before it went away. Um, really a serial entrepreneur. Um, you know, I worked for a couple of people. My, my first job actually was the Los Angeles Kings when Wayne Gretzky was there. So during that era, it was a great time, learned a lot. Um, my father is a big time entrepreneur in the tech industry. So it's kind of something I always wanted to do. Started my first company. Um, which is now we started at Intensity Athletics, which is an athletic teamwork company, um, and then sold that company, um, and then basically went on from a couple of different ventures, 
And then my current venture now is I'm a partner in DFND, it's Defend Technologies. It's actually not a technology company, um, but we are a military contractor. So our, com our company sells graduated compression, training gear, an FR base layer to firefighters, fire departments, but we're a big supplier to the US Special Forces military and US military. So that's currently what we do now. Um, yeah, you won't find much on me because that's not who I am. I don't like to pub on what I do, what I've done. You know me a little bit. It's just not who who my what my makeup is and how I was brought up. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Usually, like like I said, you go on Instagram. People have their their accomplishments. You go on LinkedIn. I went on your LinkedIn. And there's literally just like DFND, and I was like, Coach, like, what am I supposed to? How do I work with this? And yeah. I like I have stuff that you've told me. Yeah, other people have told me, but like. I didn't want to mess it up. I didn't want to mess it up and just, just put into stuff that wasn't true. So I yeah, wanted to no. get a little bit of you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that I choose to be private about. Some people don't, um, you know, and running businesses is, is tough enough. And then to throw accolades out there, I think it's kind of at times in my view is a little bit over the top, but that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. No, For yeah. hundred sure. percent. Um, so if you have never heard, like listen to a, podcast no, i'm talking about talking to the viewers um i've said coach burnett's name oh, many many times <clears throat> through the episodes he's the one i always say i have the notes from when we talk and he told me look up the the competition in the market look up all this stuff you need to research and i was like well i don't know how to do any of that so i gotta learn some economics and so that's how i got into economics and this that and the third so it's really really good that we have him here today because i've said his name so much like i've said his name all the time um so th again thank you coach for coming on thank you I, I know Allie wishes she could be here um but thank you for taking the time to come on the show today anytime anytime so i we gave you a ton of questions and i don't think we'll get to all of them we, sure. we this list that we gave you was like double as long before we sent it. i was like we can't send all these questions like we're not gonna have time it's gonna be overwhelming so let's cut it down so we cut it down like half um, I want to get to as many as we can, but I don't want to take hold you over just because I know you're you're busy and you got stuff to do. So to start, just to get into it, we wanted to focus this episode on entrepreneurship and career building because a lot of people our age, you know, that we want to do, we want to have a career and we want to have something that's our own, but we don't know how to do it. And so a lot of our questions are going to be focused around how to do it, how to have a good career, how to maybe start your own business, stuff of that sort. And to start, uh, we want to start with the question, what are some key mistakes you see millennials and the younger generation making regarding entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship and career building? Yeah, I, I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, regardless if you're a millennial or you're not, you know, refusing advice and thinking you know everything is the first mistake you're going to make. Um, it was me. It was me in my first business. I thought I knew everything in every angle. Um, I, I thought I read every book and a book doesn't teach you to be an entrepreneur. It just doesn't. Um, I think the other mistakes is you got to be patient. Um, building a business is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And be a patient, be patient, attention to details. Um, I feel society is so driven on gratification and success, especially, you know, even in this generation. I always tell young business owners that it's going to take you twice as long and three, much, three times as much money. It just is. And then you go, how can that be? You know, and it just is because there's pitfalls you can't equate for. Even me, who's 
I call myself, this is my third business that I've started, I've sold. Um, I failed at my first one and, you know, and, and I'm okay saying that because that's part of life. Um, and, you know, but I think that because of that has made me a better entrepreneur because then I started digging. So the other thing I think, you know, every, again, everybody's driven by money on a daily basis. And if you're going to run a business, money's not the only thing to get you there. I operate off of the opposite. I, I operate off of relationships because that's what business is. If you have a good product, you have good people around you, you, you can be fine as long as you have a good process with that. And I know people out there have probably heard of those words before, but it's true because if you operate off of money, you lose sight of the other things. And the last thing I tell all my employees, don't operate off the sale, operate of the relationship that creates the sale and you'll be successful. So that's kind of how we go, go from there and how I approach it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've told me that a few times. That's something I always remember is the product, the, the product, the people, and what was the last one? Product process. People. process. Product. process. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, there's a f way more famous guy out there named Marcos Limonis who does, who does the profit, right? He yeah. talks about those same things. I actually got those peas from my dad. You know, my dad's 81 now. So, you know, Marcus is very, very smart businessman. Um, and he's dead on with that show about things and you get to learn those pitfalls. And I think for a young millennial, that's a great show to watch because it, it shows you how tough it is and the pitfalls and the things, the arrogance of some business owners, because they think they know everything, exactly what I spoke of. Mm -hmm. so. so what you, you mentioned that your first business didn't quite pan out. Like what were some mistakes that you, you've made when first starting that one? Um, and what did you change like leading to the next ones that eventually got them to catch some wind? Well, I thought I knew everything. No, you knew everything. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, I was young. I was super young. I got the opportunity. I got financing to run a company. Um, I, I made a mistake in every way under the sun um, from hiring the wrong employees because I didn't know how to hire an employee to, you know, the first question my investor said to me after like month three, what's your burn rate? I have no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean you don't know? He goes, I made a mistake being him going, maybe I give you the wrong person the money. And um, so it was a, just, a, you know, a ton of things because as a young businessman, you need, or woman, you need information. Information is key. Be a sponge. I'm a sponge now. Every day I want to learn off of somebody. Because if you don't, then you just stop and you don't progress and you have to progress in business. If you don't, you'll become stale. Mm -hmm. So what I changed, um, uh, I stopped being arrogant and thought I knew everything and put better people around me. The best thing you'll ever do in business is put smarter people around you. And that then you look like the smartest guy in the room. Really, you might be the dumbest guy in the room. <laughs> But nobody needs to know that. And, and, and I think that's, that's a great key to have because, again, part of those P's, right? People. You have to have the right people in there. So I know how to hire now. I know about the products and we go into and the markets we go into. I don't go into a market. I don't know. Hmm. And so with all that said, I think I just took all those tangibles of know-it-all to the complete opposite of I need help. 
because a young entrepreneur, you think you need help. You don't need any help. I know it all. The reality is there's a lot of experienced people out there mm-hmm. to help you along the way. Yeah. So you, you also mentioned that you had trouble hiring employees and you didn't put the right people around you. What, so another question we had was, what does an outstanding employee of Stephen Burnett's look like? And, and what makes them outstanding? Um, attention to detail. Um, the never quit attitude. Um, I like this. I like an employee that thinks outside of the box. that just doesn't go the all around. They bring up ideas that none of us ever thought of because that's how you evolve. Good, bad, or indifferent. We use them. We don't use them. Um, being a good employee is also being a good team player. You have to be, you have to get along. You have to be willing to do some of the things you don't want to do sometimes to get to the end goal. Um, and um, I, I think level-headed is the big thing for me because in business, it's like in life, you get frustrated with your customers, you get frustrated with your boss. You have to be level-headed throughout it all and really just be to the task every day and, and be a very, very good communicator. Because if you're not a good communicator with, with internal, with your company, you're not going to be that person, a good communicator externally. Mm-hmm. And that's important for our customers. Yeah. How do you like, I'm sure it's very difficult to try and see if a candidate or a potential employee has all those qualities before you bring them on. How, how do you figure that out? Multiple interviews and multiple, multiple interviews. people interviewing them. And, you know, you just, at times just, you understand the last thing I care about, to be honest, and I think this is overstated sometimes, education and where you go, of course, is you can use some things. But I can tell you, I've, I've hired people from big time Ivy League schools. They couldn't, they couldn't do the job versus a, a person and no disrespect because I went there, but mm-hmm. went to Cal State Fullerton. Meaning education is great everywhere. It's what you get out of your education is important. And there's great professors, great educators that teach you along the way, but it's what you get out of it. And I think it's just, it comes down to that vibe that you just see that person. They can be you. They can challenge you. I like somebody who challenges me as an employee. Um, so it's those tangibles. It's it's really hard to say, but you know, I look for those things. If there's those don't think check all the boxes I initially talked about, then it becomes problematic for me. Then I have the next person go, am I missing something? So now it's a process instead of you used to be, no, I'm going to interview him because I'm writing the check. And no longer the case. It's no longer the case. A lot of people will interview them because you need those different perspectives because they have to work with them too. No, yeah. We, I mean, like you said, we, we basically created this channel because of things that we wish we knew from college. And it's not like a knock. I mean, it is a knock on college, but it's like there's no need to cry about it. I mean, we, we didn't get this, that, and the other thing, but it's like now we can make a space where we can bring other people on to help, help fill those gaps in. So we're like, we're hundred percent on board with, with, with that. Yeah. I think it's a great avenue to give your listeners and, and because, because there's so many great entrepreneurs and people out there to pull from. It's, it's the best thing ever. It's kind of like getting your master's program you know, <laughs> in business in a short way. So. Yeah. Um, so back to your first business, what started you, what prompted you to get into this space of being an entrepreneur? My father. father. I saw my father. My father was a very, very successful tech 
technology entrepreneur. Um, you know, I didn't know back then, but you know, you know, I was in high school when he started his business. I think he was 42. You know, I lived in Southern California. So I'm like living middle class. We're fine. I found out later in life that he didn't have enough money to have an office. He ran it out of a hotel lobby when there used to be pay phones, right? Mm. Millennials probably don't even know what that is. <laughs> so, um, and then he used the cafe in the hotel as his office. And, you know, I didn't know the struggles. And so I, I learned that later in life, but I watched his process and I watched his success, but I watched him so happy about and build this business and go, this is so exciting to me. It's not nine to five, it's 24, 365, but it's exciting, you know, and, and when he retired, um, you know, is the company was, you know, a couple billion dollars and, and did great. And, and it wasn't about, and he never talked money with me. He just talked about the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what got me in it. That's because your dad just going through it and all that. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. Um, what, so I know you have told me, but what is the most unexpected challenge of being a business owner? I know you've said about knowing everything you've talked about, uh, having that incomplete um, experience from college, but was there anything that jumped out? Like, well, I was not expecting, you know, this to come up. I wasn't expecting this to come up. Um, yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting, I think the challenges of the employees, Mm. I think I also wasn't expecting how long it would take to be so-called successful and the grind it took. I decided, Hey, you had a good product. You walk in, you sell it. Just not always the case. So, you know, I, that's where I come back to you again and again about, you know, twice as long, three times as much money, because if it takes you twice as long, the burn rate's going to be a lot longer. It's going to take a lot more of your money. So I thought it'd just be a lot easier. The bottom line, I thought it, Hey, I have a good product. Everybody wants it. Again, going back to the arrogance, right? And so now when I start a business, it's the last thing I, I always talk about, okay, this is the grind we're in. We're going to struggle. We're going to go through these things and we're just going to fight through it. And that those are probably the biggest things is, is it just, it's a struggle to do all, all aspects. And, but employees is definitely a tough one for me. Yeah. yeah. And we'll always yeah. continue to be one. It always continue to be one. Sure. Because it's human. It's, you can't take the human aspect out of it. You know, you can't be, Hey, this guy isn't happy. She's not happy. This, this, this employee, she's getting more of the sales. They get jealousy. Why can't I get that? You know, it's on and on and on. And, and, um, you know, so it's tough and it's tough to, to lose an employee or fire an employee or whatever, Mm -hmm. because I I want them there for life if I can, as long as the company's around. Mm -hmm. So, it's all those things. So I think if somebody goes into a business and thinks that, Hey, it's just lollipops and candy canes, and this is going to be easy. They should just prepare themselves that it's going to be a lot harder in in most aspects than they thought. Mm -hmm. And hopefully not. And every once in a while it becomes super easy, but it's and all the entrepreneurs. And I've been around some famous ones that, as you know, um, they all tell me the same thing. It's a grind and be prepared keep your head straight. Don't get too down. Don't get too up. Just stay level. Just That's why I go stay. back to level headedness. It's important. Yeah. yeah. Business, for sure. Do you think anyone can start a business or do you think it takes a specific type of person to want to one, want to do it and one to be successful at doing it? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think I think any person in this planet could start a business, but it's about do they have first of all when you look at a business, do you have the three P's? You have the P, you know, do you have that around you? Um, I think if they're self motivated, driven, organized, patient, and go back to that, not afraid to fail, because if you're afraid to fail and that's always in your mind forget it. They'll eat you up. Um, I think as, as long as you have those tangibles, yeah, you can do anything. I think businesses from A to Z, um, you know, you can be successful. You just can't fly, you can't fly by the seat of your pants and think that that's going to work out. You have to be, you have to create your business almost like it's, it's your thesis. It's your final project. It's that it's got to be details out. And the more information you can bring within before you start it, the better prepared when you hit day one, you're going to be, but absolutely anybody, you know, the great part of this country is those great workers that are nine to fives. And we couldn't run this country or this world without them. But there are some wonderful entrepreneurs that can do it. And a lot of people don't do it. Do you know the reason why they don't do it, John? I don't, I don't know. Cause they're scared of failing. You can't be, you can't be as an entrepreneur, you can't be afraid to fail. And if you do, you just don't even do it. Go find that nine to five wonderful job that runs this country. But you know, man, you gotta be willing to work 24, seven, 365. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Las Vegas. It never shuts down. <laughs> Uh, so you said 24, 7, 365. So I know that's something that someone thinks of is working at like a ton, like 60, 70 hour weeks when they want to start their own business. Um, is one, are there any misconceptions, like speaking of that, are there any misconceptions around being an entrepreneur that you think are totally false and just, you know, lead people astray? Um, I think, well, one of the biggest, the hardest things to do, I should say, is raising money. I mean, people, if you get, you, you'll watch a movie, a TV show, or whatever, read a book, it's, oh, yeah, he's running, he got $5 million and blah, 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 and it's easy to buy. <laughs> raising money, especially running, raising money in this climate, is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, friends and family are always the number one go-to, if you can, um, that believe in you, that know your character. Um, but I, I, I think... And it's really, it's really tough to be successful. You got to realize that most companies that you start fail. That's why I say you can't be afraid to fail because most of them will. But you got to be able to brush yourself off, get back up and go, it was the right product. I just did it wrong. And I got to fix it. And I got to see why I failed. Because if you don't acknowledge why you failed, then, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to be successful in my mind. And I think when you look at misconceptions, you only see the successful things. People look at, you know, oh, Apple, and they look at Google and Amazon. Look at Amazon. They lost money for seven years. And look at them now. So he stuck with it. They stuck with it. You know, they failed. They got back up. They failed. They got back up. And that's what you have to do as an entrepreneur. So the misconceptions really are, John, is that it's raising money is very difficult and take you a long time. And hopefully not, but that's most of the case. And it's tough to be successful. It's tough to be successful. Hmm. 
so you mentioned um, also, uh, again, back to that 24 365, how do you manage that or that kind of workload and have a family life and have, you know, a connection with a, a, either a partner or if you have kids, like how do you manage that kind of work and having a family or do you not, or is it not possible? Well, I think it's possible. I think it's what, what the individual person wants out of their life, right? For my dad, my dad was like you, you're an athlete. My dad was always at my games. He would, he would have to fly overnight. He would get there. If he had to drive in a car and jump in a car because the flight couldn't get there, he would get there. It's really what you want out of it. Is it difficult? Sure. It's a huge challenge. But family is extremely important to me. My kids and my school, their school event, their sporting events um, were big priority when they're in school um they're college now so it's different it's changed definitely freed up some time for me at, at things but you know there's never really a vacation yeah i've gone on a vacation but you always get called about something you never get to fully relax there's really not a holiday i've been called on every holiday including christmas um and it takes a toll on you physically and mentally so you have to find that balance if you do not find that balance between your physical and mental health and your family's health and the business, it will eat you up. It will for sure eat you up. And it's eaten me up at times where I've been so inundated in work and so focused in work. I've dropped the ball and lucky my kids are honest enough with me and going, Hey dad, you still our dad, you know, that kind of stuff. And it wakes you up when your kid calls you out, but it is difficult. It can be done but it's you, it's a lot of work to do it for sure. So, you know, entrepreneurship's a lot of work. Like I said, and I'll repeat this, it's 365. You don't get away from it, but you chose it because you wanted to be in control of your destiny. And that's really what, what motivates me to get up every day, not only to provide for my family, but really I want to get to that next place I want to get my employees to that next place. I'm that, I'm that business owner, that entrepreneur that I'd love to write big checks to my employees. A lot of employees don't like to do that going, well, you've made too much money. You're getting too close to my salary. I'm like exceed it over the top. Mm-hmm. So, but in order to do that, you know, it takes a lot of work. So I think at the end of the day, John, you can balance it, but it's really difficult and it, and it really takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. So this next question is a little, this one's a little more uh, selfish, I would say, because we both coach together at Beckman and we have, since our our podcast is a little um, new and young, we have a lot of um, athletes and coaches who listen and you coached at Beckman for six years, Yeah, six years. And I imagine that there's a lot of parallels between being a head coach of a track team and running a business. And so I'd want, I'd, I'd ask you to go through what are some things that you think are um, like parallels between the two? Organization. I mean, we had, you know, what at the height when I was there, we had 220 kids. So if you can imagine 220 high schoolers yeah. <laughs> with everything going on, their hormones and whatever. And um, then I think times you were there, I think we had 160, 170. Um, organization, um, have to be attention to detail. There's a lot of moving parts in track and field on a daily basis. Um, and really the biggest thing is I'm going to go back to people. Mm -hmm. You have, 
as a head coach, you have to know your coaches and you have to have a rapport with your coaches. And they have to know that you have their back and vice versa. And you also, as a head coach, the kids have to know that you care, kind of like your employees. Your employees have to know that you give a crap. And so the kids have to know the same thing. They're out there busting their butt. They don't have to be there. It's 95 degrees and we've had 800 practices before we get to the season. And, you know, there's days where it's tough for, I'm sure, you to be out there or me to be out there. But I think it's that creation of that, that family atmosphere that, that really and really get to know the people. At the end of the day, my biggest attribute between the two is really getting to know my employees and really getting to know my athletes. It's all the same. So the organization, attention to detail, all that stuff all the way through people is a really key aspect between the two. And it's very parallel in a, in a lot of ways because yeah. some of my employees act like they're high schoolers. <laughs> Probably not in, the, the, not in the, all the best ways then. <laughs> no, not always. Yeah. So uh, we're almost running up on time and I don't want to keep you too long over, but uh, just to wrap it up, um, if someone say someone's listening and they like, okay, I want to start a business. I want to start something tomorrow or next week what is some things that they can do today or now in order to prepare for that? And what do you, what, what steps do they take moving forward? Um, you know, I think as a young businessman, you know, be a sponge. You know, I was lucky my father. So, and, and I asked him, what are the key aspects? Key aspects are financing, right? Product, you know, people, all that stuff. Financing is the big key. And really finding those people to surround you, almost like an advisory board within yourself, not the company, within yourself to start. So, you know, find somebody that's good with finance that maybe you're not so, you know, good with raising money and whatnot to get you, you know, it could be a banker, could be, a, you know, a financial institution person, you know, talk to and have a couple of people that you know that have run a business before, successfully or unsuccessful. Because some of the biggest keys are things not to do, right? So find somebody in all those criterias that in order to start a business, you get yourself surrounded. Information is key. Competition. You have to know your competition. All those little things that affect your business, know before you start. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're never going to know everything before you start a business. But the more things you know, the more, the less pitfalls you're going to, you're going to make mm -hmm. and expect those pitfalls and it happens and don't get down about it. But to know that information is key and taking your time is key. I, I know everybody wants to start. I just talked to somebody who goes, well, I got this business and here's this. And I go, oh, it's interesting. And kind of like I did with you, right? Do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have that? And the guy looked at me like, no, but I still want to start next Thursday. Okay, if you do, you're going to fail. And it's not because you don't have a good product or a good idea. It's because you're not ready because you don't know. Because if you walk into a, a finance meeting because you have to, because you need to raise money, they will eat you alive. And in VC groups nowadays, if you go to them, they have a thousand thousand presentations they go through you have to have your stuff nailed down 
it's, you know, I always joke with people and say, look at Shark Tank, right? They eat them up if they don't know their stuff, especially in finance. That's why I said, find a good financial person. If anything, if you would do anything, find somebody that understands raising money, understands technology, and can get you prepared to get in front of a VC where you're not going to look like you don't know what you're talking about. Because my father did that for me. Otherwise, I would have gone in the person would have been, when I went into my first financial meeting, if he didn't prepare me in all those ways, I would have, it would have been disastrous. I would have never raised money. But it comes with experience. You know, I'm always one that will raise my hand and say, hey, you can call me anytime. You know you can call me anytime. Um, but always surround yourself with smarter, better, more experienced people. I try to every day. Because if you don't, then you kind of lost that edge. And you think you know everything. That's dangerous. As an entrepreneur, if you think you know everything, that's catastrophic to me. Not in a good way. Coach, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We, I really appreciate it. I know Allie wishes she could be here and she, I'm, I'm going to sound her well wishes as well, but thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. It's good to see you, man. Take care of yourself. It's good to see you. Thank you. You too. Right. You too. All right. All right. Take Bye. care. Talk to you later. See you, buddy. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the BS and Life podcast. Shout out Patrick Sohacky for our dope intro music. You can follow him on Instagram at Pink Wolf. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, we will shout you out on the podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next week.